had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to our study on the Hebraic roots of Christianity. We need to remember that whenever we're studying the Hebraic roots of Christianity, we must keep everything centered on Yeshua the Messiah. That's because it's written in Psalm chapter 40, verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. That verse is quoted of Yeshua in Hebrews in chapter chapter 10 and verse 7, that in the volume of the book or in the totality of scripture, it is written of him. Then Yeshua himself stated in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Torah of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Yeshua said that the Hebrew scriptures are written of him, that the Torah is written of him. And then, in having conversation with the Jews in John in chapter 5, verse 46, Yeshua said, For had you believed Moses, meaning believing in what's written in the Torah, you would have believed me. For he, that is Moses, or the Torah, is written of me. And so, central in understanding how the Torah is written of Yeshua is realizing that he gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And so we can see this in the New Testament if we realize, accept, and embrace that Yeshua is our Savior and that He saves His people from their sins. And so in Matthew in chapter 1 and verse 21 it says, And she, that is Mary, shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name in Hebrew Yeshua, which means salvation. So why is the Messiah of Israel, why is the Messiah of the world named salvation? Because it says he will save his people from their sins. And then in Luke, in chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Messiah the Lord. So seeing that Yeshua is our Savior and that he saves his people, from their sins. Now we can look at James in chapter 4 and the first part of verse 12 says there is one lawgiver who is able to save. In other words, the one that is able to save is also the lawgiver or the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. So in John in chapter 14 and verse 15 Yeshua said, if you love me 
keep my commandments. When he said the words, love me and keep my commandments, he was making a link or a reference or an association to the very first place in the Bible where we see the phrase, love me and keep my commandments. And that is found in the chapter on the giving of the Ten Commandments, Exodus in chapter 20. And in verse 2, the one speaking is Yahweh Elohim, the one that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he says in verse 6, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So when Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he was in the mind of his audience. He was directing them back to Exodus chapter 20 because they would have known, they'd have been familiar with the Ten Commandments in this chapter in Exodus chapter 20. And so then by making the link or the association and looking at the context of Exodus chapter 20, Yeshua then by association was also saying and making the claim that he is Yahweh Elohim, that he brought his people out of Egypt and he's the one speaking to Moses at Mount Sinai and thus he is the lawgiver. And so now we look at Psalm 103 in verses 17 and 18. It says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 18, To them that keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. So Exodus in chapter 20 verse 6 says, Showing mercy to those that love me and keep my commandments. Psalm 103 verse 17, The mercy of the Lord, verse 18, to those that remember and to do his commandments. And so we can see how the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting from Psalm 136. In each verse in Psalm 136, it ends with the phrase, for his mercy endures forever. So the mercy or the grace of the God of Israel is eternal because it's a characteristic of the God of Israel himself. In Exodus, in chapter 34, and verses 6 and 7, it says, The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. And so the God of Israel says that he's a God of grace and mercy. And this is how we're supposed to know and identify with the Lord. As he says in Jeremiah in chapter 9 in verses 23 and 24, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Verse 24, But let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Understands and knows what? That I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness. This word loving kindness in Hebrew is chesed. And it is the Strong's number 2617. And chesed is most often translated as mercy. 
And so, but him that glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord which exercises mercy, judgment, and righteousness. And so, the way in which the children of Israel were saved or redeemed or delivered out of Egypt was, it was on behalf of the God of Israel being faithful to his covenant promises that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. So it says in Exodus chapter 2 verse 24, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so he redeemed or delivered his people because of who he is and his faithfulness and his integrity that he would keep his word according to his promise that he made with Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And those who have believed the promise, he is going to bestow grace and mercy upon when they will exemplify faith and trust in his covenant promises. So the children of Israel were redeemed or saved or delivered out of Egypt by grace through faith. And how do we see the grace? Exodus chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it will come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. And so favor is the Strong's number 2580 in the Strong's Hebrew dictionary and it's the Hebrew word chen. And and this word chain is found in Genesis in chapter 6 and verse 8, which says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the children of Israel had the grace of the God of Israel present to redeem or deliver them, but they also had to exemplify or show faith. And what was the faith? It was obeying the instruction of God, that's Torah, and the instruction was to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And so all those who did so, they were saved or redeemed by grace through faith, and then they came to Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai they were given additional commandments regarding how they were to live their life as a people that were saved by grace through faith to please the one that brought them out of Egypt. And by obeying his commandments, they would show their love toward him. And so the Torah teaches that the God of Israel, on behalf and through his covenant promises, he bestows grace or mercy upon his people and that he then asks them to show love toward him by keeping his commandments. So mercy and grace is a characteristic of the God of Israel himself because he has always existed. His grace and his mercy has always existed. And so now in Isaiah in chapter 2 and the end of verse 3 we're going to see that Torah, which means the teaching or the instruction of the God of Israel, that Torah in the word of the Lord or the word of God is synonymous with each other. It says, Out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Zion is equivalent with Jerusalem and Torah is 
equivalent with the word of the Lord or the word of God. Now, regarding the word of the Lord or the word of God, we can see from Isaiah in chapter 40 and verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so not only is the grace or the mercy of God from everlasting to everlasting, but his Torah or his word is also forever. The word of the Lord shall stand forever. And so Yeshua, who is the word of God, John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, that he then is the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. We can see this by looking at Isaiah in chapter 33 verse 22. It says, the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So that one that saves us is also our judge, is also our king, is also our lawgiver. So we already looked at the one that saves us, Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, Yeshua will save his people from their sins, and he's our savior, Luke chapter 2 verse 11. So he saves us, and is Yeshua our judge? Romans chapter 14 verse 10 says we will all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. He is our judge. Is he our king? John chapter 1 verse 49. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then in Revelation chapter 19 verse 16, it says he has on his thigh and on his vesture a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Yeshua saves us. He's our judge. He is our king. And the one that saves us, our judge and our king, is also the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And so then given that Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, what happens then if we don't follow his Torah? Well, we sin because in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 it says, whoever commits sin transgresses the Torah. For sin is the transgression of the Torah. You don't ever sin unless you transgress the Torah. How are you supposed to come unto Yeshua? You're supposed to come before him by repenting of your sin. Well, you can't repent of your sin if you don't know what sin is or the definition of sin. If sin is transgressing the Torah, the way in which you repent of your sin is you repent from not following the Torah. And if you repent from not following the Torah, when you come to Yeshua, you're making a commitment then to follow the Torah. And then you're going to ask him through his shed blood to forgive you of your sin of not following the Torah. And if you do this, then your sins can be forgiven in accepting him as your Savior and as your Lord. And so in doing this, then the covenant relationship that he has with you is a marriage covenant relationship. And then this is what is called the new covenant. Well, the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8, was only given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But all those in the world who would accept the terms and the conditions of the new covenant made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, they can be participants in it. But they also had to repent of 
their sins and accept Yeshua as Lord and Savior. That's why it says in John in chapter 3 in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him but not perish but have everlasting life. And so given that the new covenant is the Torah written upon our heart, that's also the will of God. Psalm chapter 40 verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will Oh my God, yes, your Torah is upon my heart. And so now given that in order to sin, you have to transgress the Torah. Paul said in Romans in chapter 4 and verse 15, where there is no law, where there is no Torah, there is no transgression. And so if the Torah was originally given at Mount Sinai, it would have not have been possible for anyone prior to Mount Sinai to have sinned because when there is no law there is no transgression but however in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 it says by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin that person being referred to as Adam because he sinned in the garden death came upon all mankind and it says in verse 14 nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses well the only way Adam could have sinned is if he transgressed the Torah so the Torah had to be in existence in order for Adam to sin. So once again, we can see how not only the grace and the mercy of the God of Israel is forever, but his Torah and his word is forever as well. It was in the garden and in Revelation in chapter 22 and verse 14, it says, blessed are they that do his commandments that they might have right to the tree of life and that they may enter in through the gates of the city. And so even at the end, the blessing is to those that do and obey his commandments. They have right to the tree of life and that they may enter in through the gates of the city. That is the gates of the new Jerusalem. And so therefore in Ephesians in chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that is not a brand new New Testament doctrine. That is how he redeemed or delivered his people out of Egypt in the Torah. It was beyond. It was on behalf of the covenant promises he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he bestowed grace and saved them by faith. So there isn't this period of time that after the death of Yeshua on the tree is an age of grace versus before Yeshua died on the tree is an age of law because his mercy and his grace has always been its everlasting and his Torah which is his word lives and abides forever and though there is not a separation between grace and mercy in Torah because he shows mercy to those who loves him and keeps his commandments and so then in Romans in chapter 3 in verses 28 through 30 Paul in effect describes and explains that both Jew and non-Jew are saved by grace through faith. Then he asks the question in Romans chapter 3 verse 31, do we, that is Jew and non-Jew, do we make void, that means to do away with the Torah because we're saved by grace through faith. And then he answers the question and he says, God forbid, certainly not. We don't make void the Torah because we're saved by grace through faith. We establish the Torah. Well, do you realize that most Christians, that they have a view of Paul and his writings? 
that in being saved by grace through faith, they think that Paul taught that we are not to express our faith in Yeshua as the Messiah by following his Torah. So therefore, we are doing a study series entitled Torah and the New Testament. And in doing so, we're going through those scriptural passages and those scriptural verses that is often used and quoted by Christians to try to say and make the claim that we're not supposed to follow the Torah. And so we're looking at these scriptural passages in context from a Hebraic perspective as they would be seen in the first century. And in doing so, we're looking at them through Torah principles because Paul, in his writings, he was teaching from the Torah, explaining what the Torah said. He said in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16 that Abraham is the father of our faith. And so he used Abraham as our example in Romans chapter 4, Galatians in chapter 3, as representing all those who come to faith in the God of Israel. Then he applies those Torah principles to faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. And so Paul says we're saved by grace through faith and we establish the Torah. That's what the Torah says. And then he testifies how he follows the Torah. Romans chapter 7 verse 22. I delight in the Torah of God after the inward man. And then he says in verse 25 that with my mind I serve or I follow the Torah of God. So Paul explicitly says in the book of Romans that both Jew and non-Jew is to follow the Torah, that they're supposed to follow the Torah by his spirit, and that he has made a purposeful decision to follow or obey the God of Israel by following his Torah. You see, when Paul grew up, he was taught the Torah, but he was taught through the perspective of the rabbis in their interpretation. But once he became a believer in Yeshua on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, he reevaluated the scriptures and what the scriptures said, as he said in Galatians in chapter 1. And in doing so, he saw Yeshua in the Torah. And he testified of Yeshua out of the Torah and the prophets, Acts chapter 28 and verse 23. And realizing Yeshua is the Messiah, he knew that life was all about Messiah and being like Messiah, to walk in Messiah's footsteps. And then he saw that the Hebrew scripture says the way we're supposed to follow the Messiah is we're supposed to do so by his spirit. And so this is what Paul taught in his writings and his letters. And we're currently looking at 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 because there's verses here that Christians quote and take out of context. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 and verse 11. When they read verse 6 to say that we are ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. So they focus on the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. But then they associate the New Testament with the Spirit, and the letter being the Torah given at Mount Sinai. Then they read verse 7, says, but if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones, well, of course, they associate that with Mount Sinai because the Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. And then in verse 11, if that which is done away with was glorious, so then they say, well, see, the Torah was done away with. We have the New Covenant. We're supposed to follow the New Covenant by the Spirit by not following the Torah. When we're told in Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27 that we're supposed to follow the Torah by his spirit. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7 verse 22, he follows the Torah by his spirit. So in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is speaking of how we minister to others. And the way that we're supposed to minister to others is we're supposed to minister to others through the New Testament, which is the Torah written upon our heart by the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to minister to others in the 
letter. And when we minister to others in the letter, it is death because we minister in our flesh. We bring glory to ourselves. We have pride and arrogance. Uh, we think like a carnal-minded person that we are in competition with somebody else. And so, therefore, we're looking over our shoulders regarding how then that the people could like us better than them. And so, these are the things that Paul's discussing and teaching in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebrews.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.